Dear Robert, I'm very sorry for not asking to take your picture while visiting the museum last week. Since I've taken your picture without permission, many strange things have happened to me. Two days since we left, we had a small kitchen fire. Also, we've been hearing childlike giggles from our basement. Last night, I was home all alone. I heard a voice coming from the basement. When I went to investigate, I tripped and fell down the bottom three stairs. I got up to run out the door, but it was locked. My husband said I probably turned the lock myself without even thinking about it and locked myself in the basement. But honestly, Robert, we both know the truth. Please accept my deepest apology for taking your picture without asking. Also, please accept my daughter's apology for sticking out her tongue at you and making fun of you. Sincerely, Rosie. Welcome. My name is Elizabeth Bougeret, and I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen, then, to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. Dolls have been around for centuries. They are recognized as the oldest known toy and have been found made from everything from sticks and corn husks, stone, wood or clay and wax, from scraps of fabric to the most delicate of ivory. They have been discovered in every corner of the globe and in every single socioeconomic structure. Dolls have been used in religious ceremonies, magic, and evil rituals, but for the most part, they have been created as toys for children. But sometimes, the doll's roles seems to get a little muddled. For some children, dolls serve as a learning tool, how to care for someone that is smaller and helpless. They are, after all, smaller images of us. They look like us, they dress like us, in fact, companies go out of their way to make sure the dolls are as lifelike as they possibly can be. Which is why many adults find dolls creepy. But for children, they are most common as a playmate, a constant companion. For some children, it may be their only companion to talk to, to dress, to take care of, to blame things on. Young Robert Jean Otto was given such a doll when he was four years old. The doll was about three feet tall, with the soft fabric face lovingly stitched together in something of a smile. He was stuffed with wood shavings and had shiny black beads for eyes. He had been traced back to a company from Germany, and it was believed that he was created to be a storefront doll but either after his modeling gig had expired or before it even began, he was sent off to the youngest of three sons of the Otto family in Key West, Florida. His new owner dressed him in his own sailor suit and gave him his own name. From the moment he received the gift, he insisted his parents now addressed him by his middle name, Jean, as the doll's name was now Robert. Robert is now over a hundred years old 
and his lifelong companion has long since passed away in 1974. He lives alone in the Fort East Martello Museum that his father helped design, and he has his faithful pup resting on his lap, wide-eyed and smiling at all the visitors. But let's take our story back a few years when Jean and Robert were still young and inseparable. Jean's room was at the top of a narrow staircase where he would spend hours playing with his new friend that was almost as tall as he was. It must have been cumbersome to move him around from place to place in their room, but they were never one without the other. His parents could hear him talking with his doll and playing with his doll. Sometimes he would sleep with his doll, or Robert would sleep at the end of his bed or other times in a chair by the window. Typical childhood play. Things began to get a little strange in the house, however. His parents would hear the chatter going on in the playroom, but soon they started to hear a deeper voice responding to their son. When they entered the room to investigate and asked who the other voice belonged to, Jean told them matter-of-factly, it was Robert. And while they might have been concerned, they set the notion aside and chalked it up to their son and his imagination. Until... No one can put a date on when things really started to get crazy at the Otto house, but it wasn't long when they asked their son, Gene, who did this? Or, Gene, who broke that? And his answer was always, Robert did it. They began to wonder if he was telling the truth. Besides the voices, the family and guests started hearing scuffling along the floor, giggling, thuds and scraping sounds like furniture being moved across the floor. One evening, Jean's parents were woken up by their son screaming. They could hear items being tossed about the room and were unable to open the door. When they finally forced the door open, they found their son curled in a ball at the top of his bed, with Robert sitting at the foot of the bed facing him. The room looked like the after-effects of a tornado. They didn't have to ask because their son spoke in a quiet, quivering voice. Robert did it. The parents banished Robert to the attic. But the stories continued. Servants, knowing full well, being warned before they were hired, sometimes left their duties the same day due to the unexplainable incidents happening at the house that the family was now quite used to. The Otto family heard walking as if someone was running in tiny steps across the floor upstairs, and passers-by would mention the doll looking down at them, and they even admitted to seeing Robert as a shadow or a flash run up the stairs. Jean would go upstairs to his room to find Robert sitting in a chair or on a windowsill of his bedroom. He would take the doll back up to the attic as if it were a minor inconvenience, not a demon-possessed doll. And this didn't just happen once. It happened over and over again. Children would claim to see Robert the doll watching them, his head moving as they walked by. Some even said that they saw his face change expression if they lingered looking up at the window for too long. Eventually, Jean grew up and went off to college. He studied in Chicago and New York before moving to Paris to continue his studies in art. There he met his wife, Annette, who was a very talented pianist in her own right. 
When they both completed their studies in France, they came back to America to work in New York. It wasn't until after Jean's mother grew very ill that Jean and his bride returned to Key West, Florida to the house he grew up in. He immediately went to the attic to rescue his best friend and introduce Robert to his wife. It did not go so well. Annette immediately saw a change in her husband as he and the doll would spend all their time together. Jean even had Robert sleeping in their bedroom. Annette said that she was uncomfortable around the doll and felt that he was always staring at her, and she was not alone with that feeling. Several guests that had stopped by had admitted that they noticed the changing of expression on the doll's face, especially if seeing something negative about Jean. Annette put her foot down, and Robert was banished to the turret just below the attic. Not to worry, Robert was not alone for long. Jean set up his studio in the turret as well, and the best friends would spend hours and hours chatting the day away while Jean would draw or paint. Jean would go on to inadvertently help in the redesign of the Fort East Martello Museum in the 1950s, not knowing it would end up to be Robert the Doll's final home. The home in which Jean and Robert lived was later called the Artist House, and after Jean's death in 1974, it was sold and turned into a bed and breakfast. Guests of the bed and breakfast have told more than their fair share of ghost stories as if Robert was still present, which is impossible because he's safely housed at the museum, right? Nevertheless, they have reported sounds of tiny feet running down the hall outside their doors, giggling in the late hours of the night, items being misplaced only to show up somewhere else, and the room in the turret is usually booked all year round. Which brings us to Robert and his current location. He was donated to the museum in 1994. The museum staff noticed a change in the atmosphere not long after Robert the doll moved in. Visitors started complaining that their video cameras and recording devices would collect nothing but static, working again after they passed the exhibit. The staff trade stories about Robert and his mischievous behavior. They have found him in different positions, sometimes even with his hands pressed against the glass, either attempting escape or pleading for it. Footsteps gave the night crew the heebie-jeebies, and most of the staff has seen his expression change going from pleasant to maniacal and back again in mere seconds. One story from a worker who was in charge of cleaning the glass cases was cleaning an exhibit of antique stuffed toys. She noticed one was missing and made a note of it to tell the curator the next morning. But as she continued with her duties, she found the missing stuffed lion sitting on Robert the doll's lap. For some time, he had free reign, but his shenanigans got him grounded to the glass case that he is seen in today. But he was given the puppy that he is most often seen with to keep him company, and that has seemed to tame his wandering. But he is very peculiar about his visitors. There are rules one must follow, and they are told said rules to every guest prior to admitting entry to see the most haunted doll in America. So are you ready? Here's the rules. Number one, you must ask for permission before you take a picture. Number two, 
you must be polite. Number three, you must say thank you as you leave. What happens if you don't? There are pages and pages of stories of people who complained that when they left the museum, all of their photos were gone. Some claimed that all the photos from that portion of the museum were gone. And as I mentioned before, the videos go on the blink. Batteries just die, and cell phones literally get melted from the inside out. Here's a story directly from a review on a travel page. It says, quote, Last week we were in Key West soaking up the history and the wonderful sunshine. We are from New Hampshire and are not strangers to ghostly tales. Little did we realize that Robert the Doll was more than just a tale. End quote. She went on to say how they were warned about the rules and she laughed them off, taking pictures as she pleased. As she went into the other room of the gallery and attempted to take another photo, she looked down and noticed that all of her photos were gone. She said, quote, All 50-plus pictures that we had taken in Key West were gone, end quote. The video that they had taken the day before while parasailing, gone. She goes on to caution fellow readers, quote, Please listen to the nice lady at the front desk at the museum. Ask Robert's permission if you want to take his picture, end quote, all caps. And for the many folks who did not heed the nice lady's warning, they often send Robert letters begging the doll to release them from the curse he's put on them. You heard an example at the top of the episode. That was a real letter from a real guest. Many say similar things. They have heard footsteps, giggling that wake them up from their sleep. Robert has been blamed for financial ruin, breakups and divorces, death, disease. The walls are covered with actual written letters seeking his forgiveness. So if you are ever in Key West, be sure to stop and see one or all four of the historical museums on the island. Take lots of photos, but don't forget the rules. Robert doesn't like it when you don't follow the rules. You've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people just like me. They had struggles, they had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougeret. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So I've created a group in Facebook and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people, places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, 
I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello. Buying haunted dolls is big business. In part of the research for this episode, I chatted with one seller who shared with me that she has made over $80,000 in the haunted doll market. Her ratings are through the roof. Everyone loves her, and many say that they have made contact with the spirit. I'm not sure what to think about this. Does the seller put a demon spirit into the doll? Does she hang out at the crossroads waiting for the demon deals to go down, or are there really that many haunted dolls out there? She had over 68 positive reviews. 68. That is 68 more haunted dolls than I feel should be available. One review says, quote, Just received Tammy and she's already communicating with me, end quote. And apparently the Briar doll is lighting up the EMF reader for her new owner, and the Vivian doll is pretty, meter readings are good, and her orbs and apparition are perfect. What? Another one says, quote, This new spirit is a wonderful addition to my spirit family. End quote. Spirit family? I'm struggling to get through this podcast with minimal nightmares, and they're talking about a spirit family? Ah, yes. eBay, the marketplace that you can find just about anything. Do you want your dolls, clocks, oil lamp, bracelet, mirror, and picture frames with or without demons? Please be specific. Robert the doll was not found, bought, or sold on the marketplace, but our next story was. In fact, it's rumored to be the eBay doll that started it all. Meet Harold. And by the way, be careful what you shop for. Hello listeners, I'm Katie. And I'm Amber. And we are two hosts on Save Me an Isle Seat. A show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. If you like musicals or theater in general, or if you're interested in them but don't know where to start, we'd love to help introduce you. Come find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or on our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. And we'll be sure to save you an aisle seat. The following is an excerpt from the original eBay listing in 2003 from Greg. The ad says that he purchased the doll from a flea market in Webster, Florida. A portion of the descriptive ad mentions a conversation he was having with the seller of the doll. The seller says, quote, It was my son's. I bought it for him when he was born, and he passed away a few years after. This doll has sat in my workshed for over 60 years. I wasn't going to bring it out today, but I figured I just need to get it out of here. Anyways, I want 20 bucks for it. I gave the guy 20 bucks, put it in a bag, and walked away. When I was halfway down the aisle, the man came running over, visibly out of breath. He said, I have to warn you about something. I can't just let you take him like this. 
The reason it's been in my shed is that the doll brought an eerie presence into our house after our son died. We would hear crying and singing from his bedroom. When we went to check it out, there was nothing, just the doll. Other things started to happen. Anyways, I just wanted to let you know. I told him okay and chuckled to myself as I walked away. That was until I got home, and my life has never been the same. End quote. He continues with examples of strange things that had happened in his home after bringing in the doll, and that things got so bad he had to store in an armadillo coffin in the basement. This would end up being a hoax, or so he claimed. Greg admitted that he made up the story to hike up the price, and he didn't want her to buy it under false pretenses. This would be Kathy. Kathy didn't care because she was just interested in learning doll restoration and thought this doll would be a good one to restore. So, was Greg telling the truth in the eBay ad, or telling the truth to Kathy, not wanting her to be exposed to the real truth? In 2004, only a year later, Kathy put the doll, unrestored, back on eBay. She had experienced a number of unexplainable things, but when two of her friends died just after seeing or holding the doll, she knew she had to get rid of it. She wrote, quote, When I wrapped it up and put it away, nothing happened. When it was in the house and not in the storage shed, creepy things would happen, end quote. Now, Anthony didn't believe a word of it and really didn't care if he won the doll or not. He was already bidding on several items in the haunted category on eBay. He was drunk on the power of the bidding war. The winning, but not wanting to win, but not wanting to lose either. You know. You know you've been there. Well, joke's on him. He won the doll for $720. Kathy offered to let him out of the deal, telling him that the doll wasn't haunted. It was cursed. A deal's a deal, he said nobly. When Anthony brought the doll home, he got out all his fancy Ghostbuster toys, and he writes, quote, My first test on him was with my Trifield EMF meter. Nothing. Then I tried taking pictures to see if anything showed up other than the doll. Nope. Finally, I did a recording hoping to catch an EVP. No such luck. My last test was to have it read by April, end quote. Enter April. She was a psychic that picks up vibrations from holding an object, and she agreed to do a reading on the doll. He turned on the recorder, sprinkled the doll with holy water, and let his friend do her thing. In only a few moments, she paused and told him that she couldn't continue with the reading. When he asked her why, she bluntly said, your doll just threatened to kill me. Anthony was still skeptical, but after his friend left, he listened to the recording. He heard their conversations, but as he listened more closely, he clearly heard screams after the sprinkling of the holy water. He heard a deep, demonic voice say, shut up, and then threaten to kill her. And when April's voice was explaining why she could no longer be there, he heard evil laughter. It was then he thought he might actually have a maniacal spirit on his hands. Anthony Quinada says he is a psychic medium 
and was buying haunted items and was originally interested in the doll because he was wanting to do some experiments with things that were haunted and then write a book about them. This doll was more than he bargained for. It is rated as one of the most haunted dolls of all time. And as of a couple days ago, Anthony had still been running regular experiments on the doll and blogging and videotaping the entire process. The doll has been read by more than four or five experts in the field of the paranormal and every one of them, after their reading, said they never wanted to see him again. The videos, I must admit, are pretty frightening. In Anthony's research, he discovered a kind of communication with the doll, the old flashlight gig. You know the one you ask it a question and then ask it to turn on the light as a response to the question. I watched every single video. He has discovered that there may be five spirits involved with the curse. He believes that he has found the origin of the cursing. He is very transparent in his posts and questions what he's doing and wonders at times who is really researching who. He did write his book. It is available on Amazon, and according to his website, the doll is still in his possession and despite the many offers he receives for the purchase of Harold, will remain in his possession forever. He is constantly trying to debunk rumors about the doll, and even after having the doll in his possession for almost 20 years, he is still trying to unravel mysteries about Harold the doll. He writes, quote, Someone asked, Do I fear the doll? I wouldn't say I fear the doll, but I would say that I do have a healthy respect for the spirit tethered to the doll. From what I have been told, the spirit feels the same way about me. Plus, I have holy water, and I'm not afraid to use it. End quote. Well, there you have it. If you just happen to be searching for that last-minute, unique gift for that special someone, may I suggest not getting it from the haunted pages of the eBay marketplace. I do not see another Haunted Doll episode in the near future. Doing the research for this one with my research assistant, Anna, was pretty unsettling. I won't be sleeping for a while if you want to reach out and say hey. You can find me on the History Revisited Facebook group or always at my website, www.elizabethbougeret.com. I'll be taking next week off for the Christmas holiday, but I'll meet you right back here to ring in the new year. Happy holidays, everyone. Bag of Bones is created and hosted by Elizabeth Bougere with research by Anna Krunkeberg. Produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited. Music by Johnny Reed. To learn more about the show, visit elizabethbougere.com. For more podcasts from the Ragtag Network, visit their website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Copyrights by Elizabeth Bougere and DCT Enterprises.